Hump Day, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Wednesday, so this is an archive show, but it last aired two to ten years ago, so unless you're a hardcore long-time listener, it's probably new to you. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on July 29th of 2018 under the headline Teen Girl Ended Brewing Family Feud with Shotgun. A little warning, this article does contain some foul language in quotes. Here we go. From around 1875 to about 1915, the riverfront part of Clatsop County, outside of Astoria, was more populated than it is today, probably. The gillnet fishing fleet plied the big waters of the river, hauling in tons of salmon, and the blue water sailing ships of the grain fleet daily poured in and out of Astoria's ports. Many of the locals who worked as fishermen and net menders preferred to live away from Astoria proper. At the time, the town had a reputation which is sometimes well deserved as a nest of shanghaiers. So the netmenders and fishermen and sailmakers and chandlers who didn't absolutely have to be in Astoria to ply their trades would row or sail up the great lake-like expanse of the Columbia River a few miles, helped along by the tide when it was convenient to do so, and make their homes in one of the little villages on the riverbanks. Villages with no roads whose only connection with the outside world was the river. Most of these villages are long gone now, all traces having decayed in the relentless dampness. Many of them exist today only as names mentioned in the Daily Astorian. You won't even find some of them in the Oregon Geographic Names reference, the three-inch-thick tome published by the Oregon Historical Society. We don't even know today exactly where they were. One such village was called Manhattan, and it was probably a mile or two downstream from Clifton. And it was, in 1887, the site of a shooting that was unusual in that it was done by a 14-year-old girl with a shotgun. Here's the story, as much of it as we know. The Henry and Bertha Frischkorn family had rented a large house in Manhattan. With them lived their two daughters, 14-year-old Emma and 22-year-old Minnie, and two boarders, Norwegian netmenders Peter Gunderson, 32, and Julius Udby, 43. According to the Daily Astorian, the five of them seemed to have worked out an arrangement by which Gunderson and Udby paid the rent and the Frischkorn family supplied all the meals. This apparently worked okay until Gunderson and Udby started courting Emma and Minnie. Both of them, but Gunderson most especially, seemed to have gotten the idea that the girls' hands in marriage were part of the deal. We pay the rent and you supply meals and, oh yeah, wives. Matters came to a head on January 11th when Gunderson got Minnie alone and asked her to marry him. She turned him down flat. Quote, he asked her why, the Daily Historian recounted several days and one tragic incident later. She said she had been told he was cruel and he already had a wife and children. He denied it and asked her who said so. Was it her father? She finally told him it was her mother that had warned her. Gunderson went to bed angry and the next morning, quote, he was very abusive to the old folks, whatever that means. Two days later, the girls were invited to a dance at a neighbor's house. The neighbors, a family called Thompson, lived on one of the islands in the river, and both of them left the house and paddled off to the Thompson's place. As soon as they were gone, Gunderson and Dodby turned on the Frischkorns and basically drove them from the house. 
They fled to the river, climbed into their boat, and rowed to the Thompsons' house for help. The next evening, with a group of neighbors to protect them, the elder Frischkorns returned to the house to retrieve their things. One of the neighbors rode ahead to try to smooth the way, telling Gunderson that the old folks would be there soon and just wanted to collect their clothes and personal belongings and leave. Gunderson said that would be fine and there would be no trouble. When the party arrived, Udby was sitting in a corner playing an accordion and Gunderson was standing by the windows watching them approach. When they entered the house, he shouted, Who brought all these sons of bitches here? Incidentally, in the original newspaper article, the word bitches was redacted and replaced with a long dash. The word whore, which appeared later on, was printed intact. Continuing the quote, These men will stay until I get my clothes, Bertha Frischkorn told him. Where's my whore? Gunderson shouted back, meaning presumably Minnie. I am the boss here and will show you. Get out from here. He then picked up a big knife off the table and raised it, yelling for everyone to get out. Udby put his accordion down and slipped upstairs, returning with a heavy coat draped over his arm. Meanwhile, Minnie, the 22-year-old whom Gunderson had proposed to two days earlier, went to the table to try to calm him down. But instead, once Udby had reappeared, he gave him what appeared to be a prearranged signal. The coat with the overcoat came up and spat fire. The bullet, intended for Henry Frischkorn, missed. Meanwhile, Gunderson was charging straight at Minnie with a knife. Then a shotgun roared, deafening everyone. Pellets spattered the wall near Udby's head and the concussion blew out all the lights in the house except for one bullseye lantern. The shotgun roared a second time and the top of Gunderson's head flew off and he collapsed, literally dead before he hit the floor. The bullseye lantern went out, plunging the house into darkness. It turned out that while all the adults had been shouting and threatening each other, 14-year-old Emma had slipped into the closet where the shotgun was kept and quietly loaded it. When Udby fired at her father, she shot at him but missed because her mother was standing nearby and she didn't want to pepper the old woman with stray pellets. Then, Gunderson having gotten dangerously close to Minnie with that knife and clearly intending to use it when he got to her, she let him have the other barrel. The shotgunning in the subsequent darkness put an immediate damper on the growing riot. All parties to the conflict separated for the night. Emma, pale and shaking, had already fled to the boat, and she and the rest of her family retreated to the Thompsons' house. The next day, everyone came to Astoria on the Sternwheeler favorite, and the sheriff's investigation was held. Emma, not surprisingly, was held to have acted in self-defense, but Udby drew a one-year prison sentence for assault with a dangerous weapon. As with so many stories of this kind, there are some real unanswered questions here. Chief among these is, why did the Frischkorns come to retrieve their personal effects in the dark of night rather than waiting for morning? And the text of Henry Frischkorn's initial telegram to the sheriff in Astoria after the shooting has a distinctly disingenuous sound to it. He sent it from the nearby town of Clifton, and it read as follows. Two men laid in wait for us in our house. We shot one, and the other got away. Okay. Laid in wait. Playing an accordion. The real story is probably that this was an old-fashioned group fist fight that got out of hand, that the Frischkorns, reinforced with a large posse of supportive neighbors and perhaps braced with a drink or two, came that night to avenge the insults of Gunderson and Dudby with a good old-fashioned thrashing. But regardless of that, no one, especially after Gunderson pulled that knife and Udby started shooting, could blame the frightened 14-year-old girl hiding in the closet for putting an end to things the way she did. Key sources in this story included works by Diane Gurris Gardner and back issues of The Morning Astorian from January 1887.
Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love, which is in turn a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house that specializes in audiobook and regular book editions of stories from the classic pulp fiction era. Robert E. Howard, Algernon Blackwood, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and so on. More info can be found at pulp-lit.com. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license, type CC by SA International 4.0. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Got an idea for a show I should do, or just want to say hi, or maybe you're going to be in Corvallis sometime soon with time for a cup of coffee or a pint of Hammerhead? Drop me a line at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Fresh episodes of Offbeat Oregon History come your way at around 6 a.m. every weekday morning. So if you're looking for the next one, you haven't long to wait. Till then, go fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.